Welcome to the New Era Path Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Kerrigan. I can be reached at my school email at sean.kerrigan at nichols.edu. To spell that out, that is S-E-A-N dot C-A-R-R-I-G-N-A-N at nichols.edu or on Twitter at Sean. So please give me a follow on Twitter or send me an email if there's something you'd like me to cover in the next episode. Alright guys, welcome to episode 2. Thank you for listening. Um, Obviously, thank you guys for listening last week. If you could please like, share, retweet, whatever you can do to get this podcast out there would be really, really appreciated. Um, First, we're going to talk about the Houston recap. Then we're going to go on to the Arizona preview. We're going to talk about the divorce that happened this offseason between Brady and Belichick. Then we're going to talk about a newly developing situation in Baltimore, which is about to become another outbreak situation like what happened in Tennessee, but we'll get into that a little later. We're going to go on to next week's episode preview, then that'll probably be it for the day. I was hoping to have an interview guest this week, but due to COVID concerns, he had to cancel. Um, Hopefully next week I'll have two guests for you, but let's get into it. Alright, so first off, let's recap the Texans game. Obviously, another tough loss on the road. Puts us now at 4-6 and six on the season. It's a 27-20 loss. Uh, Cam Newton had another solid game. 26-40, one touchdown, 365 yards, and the offense itself totaled 435 yards of offense. Damian Harris had a solid game. Under 100, but still 11 rushes for 43 yards and one touchdown, which going against this defense, I thought we would have a better game, but it didn't turn out that way. We'll see what happens now. Uh, Wide receiver Demir Bird, who I mentioned last week, is someone to watch, possibly. He had a pretty good game himself. He had six catches for 132 yards and a score. The touchdown itself was beautiful. It was a perfect pass from Cam down to Bird in the end zone for 42 yards. Uh, He had another big catch for 30 yards on 3rd and 10. He was definitely a highlight player to watch this game. James White had a pretty decent game himself. He was the second leading receiver on the team. Uh, Six catches for 64 yards, five rushes for 19 not a 100-yard game, but still, it's a decent effort from a basically a passing down, third down back. He obviously had a step up due to an injury of another player I mentioned watching, Rex Burkhead. Um, he was definitely a player to watch this season. He was on track for career highs and everything, rushing, touchdowns, all that. Uh, but he is done for the year. He confirmed the other day, after what looked to be a horrible knee injury in the game, my guess would have to be some kind of ACL, MCL injury. Uh, definitely something bad. A lot of knee injuries this week. Another one that happened early on uh, in the week was uh, Joe Burrow, the quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals, the first overall pick in this year's draft, tore his ACL and MCL, something similar to what Carson Wentz of the Eagles suffered. But that's a topic for another day. Um... Let's talk about the defense now. 
pretty abysmal effort. Um, 399 yards allowed, 21 first downs allowed, which is a ton when you actually think of that. That stat's just crazy. The Pats themselves totaled 435 yards of offense and scored uh, 22 first downs. Sorry, I didn't mean to say score there. Um, The team's leading tackler was Adrian Phillips. He was a safety. He was a free agent that was brought in this year. The long-awaited return of Stephon Gilmore occurred this week. Uh, It was nice. It was nice to see him. Definitely someone to watch in the next games coming up. There's lots of talk about Gilmore being traded this offseason, but we're going to have to see what happens with that. Gilmore is a really, really great player. He's had a down year this year, but we're going to have to wait and see what happens. I think he's going to bounce back this week. He did injure his hand. Uh, He is questionable for the game, but it is a game I expect him to play. Even he expects himself to play. Um, But we'll get into that a little later. Something that really stood out to me was the pass rush, which was pretty much non-existent for us this week, which was pretty disgusting to see considering how many injuries the Texans had. They lost their starting tackle, Laramie Tunsil, who's one of the top tackles in the league, and I figured maybe we'd be able to get a little pressure on that edge, but really there was none. There was no sacks at all for the Patriots. Only two B, two QB hits allowed by the Texans' offensive line, and really no big pressure at all. Um, two players that really stood out for the Texans were tight end Jordan Akins. He had a lot of nice catches on us. He's a big guy. He's he's a good player, so I can kind of forgive that. Uh, another player who stood out was the former Patriot, Brandon Cooks. He had a great game overall, four catches for 83 yards. Uh, there were a lot of missed calls, however, in this game by the refs, especially on the Texans' offense. There was quite a few holding calls that were missed completely, and both of them came on touchdown runs. One for Duke Johnson, I believe, in the second was a rushing touchdown for Deshaun Watson in the second quarter with 3.57 left. It was a flagrant, flagrant holding foul in the center, and and they just didn't call it. That's a little frustrating, but it is what it is. The game ended up coming down to the last seconds, and it was a seven-point loss, so there's not much you can do to that. Uh, Ryan Izzo, he cut the last pass of the game with nine seconds left. He was tackled 12 yards short of the end zone. Um, it would have been nice to see them win that game, but it is what it is. Going special teams real quick. Uh, Nick Folk, another solid day. Two for two on field goals. Two for two on extra points. That's 100% average, which is good for him. Um, His longest kick of the day was 45 yards. Folk has been solid. He's really come on the last two weeks, and he's been injured. So production out of him is really good to see. After the Patriots took a kicker in the, I believe, fifth round, Justin Rohrwasser out of Marshall, who just had a terrible, terrible training camp and didn't make the team. He's now in the practice squad. We'll have to see if he makes the team next year. But I, I would prefer them to either draft a new quarter, uh, new kicker or stay with Folk or anything, really. But I don't think Roarwasser will be in the mix next year. Another solid effort by punter Jake Bailey. Three punts for 151 yards, averaging 50.3 yards per punt, which is a good game for him. 
as I said last week, he's a solid contributor for this team, and on special teams, he's definitely becoming one of the top hunters in the league. Um, His long punt of the day was 59 yards, which was great to see. Now, the return game is something I would like to see us change up a little bit. It's something we haven't really had too much success with in the last few years. Julian Edelman, obviously, was the mainstay at returner, punting, punter-wise and kick-return-wise. Um, but as he's gotten older, he's stepped away from that role, leaving it to younger guys. Right now, we're looking at wide receiver Gunnar Olszewski, second-year player uh, out of a D2 school in Bemidji State, I believe. Came in as a cornerback, undrafted, made the team. He's a fan favorite, but I think he is starting to wear out his welcome with the fans just because of his uh, effort on basically the kick returning aspect. He seems to take the ball out of the end zone way too much when if you take the ball down in the end zone, you get the ball at the 25, you let it kick out of the end zone, 25, but he seems to return it more often than not, and we end up under 20 yards at the 20-yard line probably most times if we're lucky. But, yeah, that's about all I have to say for this game. It was a heartbreaking loss. Obviously, it hurts to see that. It definitely hurts our position in getting into the playoffs. We're just going to have to see what happens next week, which we're going to get into in just a second. All right, as I said, we're going to preview the Cardinals game this upcoming Sunday, 1 o'clock on Fox. Cardinals are two-point favorites, I believe. We're going to talk about the injury report, which comes out every Friday, which is today. You guys will probably hear this episode Saturday or Sunday morning. For the Patriots, uh, running back Sony Michelle has pretty much been activated from the IR, if not activated. He is expected to play, according to Bill Belichick. Um, another player at the running back position, who we mentioned in the Texans recap, Rex Burkhead, is officially out. Um, he suffered a knee injury last week, like we talked about. He confirmed him that the uh, season is over for him. He should be headed to the IR with this weekend coming up, if not next weekend. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Burkhead. He is a free agent after this season is over. He's a player I'd like to see back. Uh, he's he's contributed a lot to this team, and he scored the game-winning touchdown in the 2018 AC Championship game over the Chiefs in overtime, which took us to the Super Bowl. So... He's he's a fan favorite, and I would like to see him back, but we're going to have to see what happens with that and go from there. Another big injury that's going to hurt us a little bit is left tackle Isaiah Wynn. He is out for the game. Jermaine Illuminor, who is another tackle who who started in place of Michael Wynn, who we talked about last week, uh, he will be playing in his spot, I believe. For the Cardinals, they have tight end Daryl Daniels out, D-lineman Josh Morrow out, and safety Jalen Thompson out. He is a starter, so that could be an interesting uh, injury to see how that plays out. Patch will probably more than likely target that. Another injury that was uh, seen earlier on in this week on the injury report was a quarterback, Kyler Murray. Uh, as of today, Friday, as I mentioned, he will be playing. Now we're going to move on to the full-on preview of this game. 
Right now, the Cardinals are sitting at 6-4. and four. They're competing for first place in the NFC West, which is a tough division to win. There's a lot of strong teams. Obviously, you have the Seahawks. Seahawks are kind of cooling off. 49ers were the NFC uh, championships champions last year who are now in the playoffs, or now out of the playoffs, I should say, after tons and tons of injuries. So we're going to have to see what happens there. But I I don't think um I don't think anyone will be doubting the Cardinals making the playoffs this year. Uh another team that's in there is the Rams. They're a tough, tough team. We played them in the Super Bowl in twenty eighteen and we'll be playing them in two weeks time. So that's something to watch. Um they're coming to Foxborough this week, as I mentioned, one o'clock game on Fox. Something interesting that is a running theme the last two weeks, is the coaching. Obviously, we talked about the Belichick disciples, former players, coaches, who are now head coaches in the league. Um, The head coach for the Cardinals is none other than former Tom Brady backup, Cliff Kingsbury. He's a second-year coach for them now. Um, So, yeah, let's get into their offense real quick. Cliff Kingsbury being a quarterback, he's kind of brought in a air raid style offense, which means heavy on the pass, a little lighter on the run. But right now, these these Cardinals, they're first in yards per carry and second in rush yards per game in the league right now. Um, the lead back is Kenyon Drake with five touchdowns. He's probably going to be a factor for them. I believe he was the player who scored a game-winning touchdown against us. For the Miami Dolphins, Miami Miracle. We'll have to see what happens with him. But he's definitely going to be a key for the Patriots defense to stop. Another player to watch, as I mentioned, was quarterback Kyler Murray. He's a dual threat quarterback. Rushing and passing. He's he's good at both. Uh, he's a smaller player. Um, kind of like a Doug Flutie size, but I think he's a little taller. He's definitely a rising star and someone to watch in the next few years, and he's more than likely going to be in the Pro Bowl this year. Uh, He has 19 touchdowns to 8 interceptions, 2,644 yards on the year so far. And another player to watch in that passing offense is wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, whose nickname is Nuke. He catches bombs, basically. That's how he got the name. He's an elite receiver. He's definitely top five in the league, at least in my eyes. He's a jump ball expert. He scored the game-winning touchdown versus Buffalo two weeks ago. He was triple covered, and he jumps up with some pretty good players, and he just rips the ball right out of the air. Scores the game-winning touchdown, and it was a game that many people thought was pretty much over for the Cardinals to that point. But you can't really count this team out, especially with those two players. They're definitely one of the rising duos, and they're going to be a great duo for a few years now. Um, He should be shadowed by Stephon Gilmore, who basically got the job the entire time Hopkins was in Houston. Um, This year, he's sitting at 72 catches for 912 yards and four touchdowns. That's really all I have to say about this offense. There's a lot of other players that are good, um, but none as good as those three. Uh, there was a former great and definitely a first ballot Hall of Famer, Larry Fitzgerald, who, due to most players, 
um, missing the season or missing games will be out this week due to COVID. Um, the defense for this team, it, it's it's okay. It's not the best defense in the league for sure. They they have a solid uh, quarterback cornerback in former All Pro Patrick Peterson. He's a guy to watch for. He's not what he was, but he's still a good player, and he's someone you're gonna have to keep an eye out for. Um, right now they're standing at twenty third in rush defense, which is good for us because the Pats have one of the better rushing attacks in the league. Um, they allow four point six yards per carry, which is pretty, pretty good for the Pats. Not so good for them. They're an average passing defense. This is even what the NFL Network analysts have said. They're 14th in the league in QB rating, which is one of the biggest stats to watch for. Uh, they have a stronger pass rush than most teams. Um, they're tied for 11th with 25 sacks on the year, and I think 61 hits on QBs. That'll be something to watch out for with the injuries at the O-line position. Obviously, we have... Four of the five starters from last week playing, but Illuminor, who hasn't played much this year because of the rising of ONU and injuries himself, could be a little bit of a factor. Uh, they have a solid, decent, uh, decent linebacker core. Not not perfect, but it's it's good. They have Devondre Candrel, uh, Devondre Campbell, sorry, and rookie Isaiah Simmons, who was a top pick who is barely playing, which is raising a lot of eyebrows, to say the least. He was highly recruited out of college, and he seemed to be someone who would make an immediate defensive impact. He could play anywhere, really. He played linebacker, safety, even some corner in college, I believe. Um, and safeties are pretty decent. Buda Baker is one of the better safeties. But as I mentioned earlier in the injury section... Uh, Jalen Thompson is out for the game, so that should be a position that's targeted a lot. Um, but really, we don't have a lot of players that can stretch the field. We're just going to have to wait and see what happens with that. Now we're going to talk about the Pats. First, we're going to look at the offense. 18 sacks on the year. They're the 12th line in the league. It's not good, but it's not bad either. It, it's definitely one of the better lines in the league, and with everyone starting to settle back into their roles, it should be something to watch, for sure. Um, we should see a lot more passing out of Cam this week after we saw his 365-yard game in a connection with former teammate from Carolina and a former Arizona player, Demir Bird. We're just going to have to watch and see what happens with that. Um, another player who's going to have to be watched carefully would be Damien Harris. He's... Most likely going to have to split some snaps with Sony Michelle, who was pretty much our lead back this year prior to Harris coming on due to Sony being on IR and then on the COVID list. Um, I think this is a game where we're going to see a lot of work for Bird and Myers. They're definitely going to have to get open early and get open often and just convert as much as they can. Isaiah Ford is another player who last week I mentioned we had traded for, and he he could be in the mix to get some pretty decent amount of snaps. So we're gonna have to see what's gonna happen there. For me, I have a key to the couple keys to this game. Uh, obviously, is to get the wide receivers going very early. I want to see uh, 
the team keep Cam uh, upright. Just if you can keep the sacks down to a minimum of a two or three, that's going to be huge for us. Um, and just let him play his game. He's the best when he can play his own style. He's proven that he's ready to take over this offense and lead the team uh, from this pretty much from the get-go. As soon as he was signed, he came in and he was the leader of that locker room. And he's someone you just have to let him play. He's not someone you can control and keep clamps on and just kind of force him to play your way. McDaniels, the offensive coordinator, who honestly a lot of fans would like to see him leave after some very, very questionable play calls, especially the last few weeks and the last couple of years. Uh, he, it's kind of time for us to move on from him, I think, but... We're going to have to see what happens with that. Um, for the Pats defense, it's going to be more of the same. you got to keep these cornerbacks going. We have a really, really good cornerback room. I mean, J.C. Jackson, Jonathan Jones, even Stephon Gilmore, who should play. But like I said earlier, he had a hand injury. His hand was wrapped in practice, I believe, this week. We're going to have to see what happens with that. Even Jason McCourty, Jawan Williams, and other players in that room they're great players, so you're just going to have to rely on those guys a lot heavier than you normally do, especially versus passing stronger defense, um, or passing offense. Um, as I mentioned earlier, they're a better rush team, one of the best in the league at the moment, and we're sitting at an abysmal 21st on the run defense, so we're going to have to see what happens to that. We're also not too great at the uh, passing side of defense either. We're allowing a 98.6 QB rating and a 25th overall ranking. Gilmore versus D. Hopkins is obviously going to be the matchup of the game for me personally because they've had some great matchups the last couple of years. I wouldn't equate it to something as classic as Deion Sanders and uh, Jerry Rice or to Josh Norman and Odell Beckham Jr. when they were both in the NFC. But it's going to be something you need to keep an eye on. I mean, another key to this game would have to be keep Kyler from running, really. He he, he can run. He, he's fast. And with this rush defense not where they normally are, it's going to be a key to stop him and keep him in the pocket. If we can do that, I think the cornerbacks can stop him a lot. And really, this, the rush defense just needs to stand up and play at this point. We're going to see what happens there, but that's pretty much all I have on this game. We're going to have to see what happens there now. So, as I mentioned earlier, I couldn't get a guest this week as COVID concerns prevented him from coming onto the show. We wish them the best, obviously. Um, So, we're going to talk about the divorce real quick between Brady and Belichick, who are slated to play next year, and that's a game I'm looking forward to seeing. Obviously, TB12 is now the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He has 2,955 passing yards and boasts a 25-9 to touchdown to interception rate. Uh, head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, second-year coach, is Bruce Arians, who's been around the league for a long time. He was with the Colts and the Steelers for a while, and now he's obviously the coach of the Buccaneers. Uh, he retired a few years back from the Arizona Cardinals, took a year off, and now he's back in the league. Um, 
but things are struggling, as we're going to get into a little bit later on. I mean, this Tampa offense, they have a lot of talent, and right now they're a little underwhelming. There's a star wide receiver core in Antonio Brown. Um, he played for us last year for one game before getting cut and released and suspended, and there's just a whole bunch of drama, which could take up a whole episode. So we're just going to skip past that. We all know what Antonio has done. If not, go ahead and Google it because it's, it's a wild story. It's almost unbelievable, to be completely honest with you. Uh, First-round pick, or former first-round pick, Mike Evans, another great wide receiver for the team. He's definitely a big, big guy, and he's someone who can get open. And Brady and him are starting to develop a connection, but one of the guys that Brady has had the best connection with is Chris Godwin this year. He's another speedster wide receiver and someone who Brady seems to have a pretty good and almost immediate impact with. Um, the tight end room is a lot better than the Patriots this year. Not by much, because they have Gronk, who had taken a year off and was traded to the team in this offseason. Now we have the journeyman, uh, not journeyman, but a man who's been there forever, Cameron Bright. They had O.J. Howard, who is another young star to watch, who should be pretty interesting to see next year, was O.J. Howard, who was injured very early on. The RB room is a little bit average. They have a lot of good players, but they just don't produce like uh, Brady is used to. They have Leonard Fournette, our first-round pick, who was cut by the Jaguars before the season begun. They have shady LaShawn McCoy, who was a free agent from Kansas City after he won a Super Bowl last year with the team. Um, and a guy who's been there for a while now is Ronald Jones the third. He's he's a decent running back. He's a little bit better at running than he is at catching, and that's the problem with a lot of these guys. Brady's used to pass-catching backs, and these guys have consistently dropped the ball a lot this year, and it's something that's really hurt the team. The Bucks sit at 7-4 and four right now. They're second in the division. Um, it looks like it's a long shot for them to win with the way the Saints are playing, but it's something to monitor for sure. Um, there's a lot of people around the league, including myself, who are pretty much questioning Arian's decisions as coaching. He's pretty much lost them four straight games with just poor play calling. Uh, there was bad losses to the Rams, twice to the Saints, and even to the Bears. Um, Brady just hasn't really looked perfect with the team since coming in, but I mean, it's the first year, so there's not a whole lot to say about that. There's a lot of, pretty much a lot of new territory for Brady that he hasn't had to explore. Uh, he definitely doesn't have as much control of the offense uh, as he would like to, I'm sure, when he did with um, Josh McDaniels, but it's it's kind of sad to see. Um, Brady is someone who can manage an offense, and honestly, he could probably be an offensive coordinator himself. He, the team wouldn't even really need it. <clears throat> uh, Arians also seems to be a guy who doesn't like to take responsibility for his actions and losses. He's thrown Brady under the bus quite a lot this season, and it's kind of sad to see. There's a lot of coaches that do that in the league. Obviously, the top one, who's a losing coach overall, and it's amazing that he still has a job and that he even got a second head coaching job 
would be Jets coach Adam Gase, who they're now in a downward slide, and they're not going to win a game this year, I don't believe. Which, I mean, it makes sense for them to lose out and secure the first-round pick and pick someone good. But still, when you have coaches who are just throwing players on the buses, that says a lot for locker room chemistry. And with a guy like Brady, who's honestly the greatest quarterback of all time, if not the greatest NFL player of all time, it, it's sad to see because that guy could take pretty much any team and he can run that team. He he makes them almost instant Super Bowl com, uh, competitors. Now we're going to look at Belichick's side. It's definitely a down year for both. Uh, it's We're sitting at 4-6 and six this year without Tom. The offense isn't really producing enough at all. I mean, it's hard to really produce when you have another quarterback who first year in the system is still learning a lot uh in Cam Newton so I mean you can't really put a whole lot of blame on Belichick's team for not producing the defense is also underwhelming it's not as good as it was last year through the first eight weeks we were the top defense in the league by far and I think it was something that was going to carry over uh, I think personally this offense wouldn't perform well with Brady at all because Brady's who's a guy who just stands in the pocket a lot. He he prides himself on being able to move in the pocket and this team, it's great. It has a great offensive line, but he just he can't really run like Cam can run and get out of the pocket and move around like he really needs to. Um there's no tight ends really either. We've had Ryan Izzo is the primary guy for the entire year, and he really hasn't done much at all. This is more than likely a losing season for the team, and I can't really fault Brady for leaving. There's no precise route runners, and there was nothing really done to say, hey, Tom, we're going to turn this around. We're going to go all out for you this year to get you that seventh rank. And I, I don't blame Brady for leaving when he had a team like Tampa Bay who really, as I said, has a star offensive uh, unit and they're really an up and coming team and hopefully next year they're all put together but it's going to be hard to see that happening especially with Arians as the coach um but we're on to the Patriots right now and obviously this is one of the tougher schedules we've had in the last few years um it was ranked as the top five uh hardest coming into the season and it's really a difficult league to win, especially this year with Corona and the team not having a lot of money to spend uh, in free agency and not a whole lot of players you could trade for better players this year. I guess overall my conclusion to this would be good quarterbacks need good coaches and Arians isn't a bad coach, but he's certainly not what Belichick is. Um, And Brady probably would have more control with this team uh, than he does with Tampa Bay, and I'm sure that's something that's going to cause a lot of struggles for him this year, personally. Um, but I think, really, right now, Bill is realizing how hard it is to win in this league without a star quarterback, and I think Tom is realizing it's not as easy in a new place to come in, learn a system, and have to try to win. So, I mean, there's really no winner or loser to this divorce. I mean... It's probably too early to tell, but yeah, like like I said, good coaches need good uh, players, and good quarterbacks need good coaches, and really, neither of them has the key piece, so 
I'd say it's a draw at this point. That's really all I have to say on the topic. Next, we're going to get into the COVID crisis that's happening right now in Baltimore, and we'll go from there. So, like most things, COVID is derailing the season once again. Uh, right now, there's a COVID crisis happening in Baltimore. Baltimore was supposed to take on Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh last night on Thanksgiving prime time. Uh, eight players, the Ravens have tested positive this week. Uh, the biggest being QB Lamar Jackson, who was revealed last night as a uh, player who tested positive, and Calais Campbell, who is also rumored to be one of the players. Multiple staff members have also tested positive. And as of right now, the game has been delayed to Tuesday night at 8 p.m. on ABC. It'll be interesting to see if the team stays in that slot. Um, because, really, anything could happen now. Uh, if there's more positive tests, I think it's going to force the league in into adding a rumored uh, Week 18 or even expanding the playoffs if this game needs to get canceled. The first incident to um, slash outbreak that occurred in the league in almost two months was this, and it's obviously shown up in a big way. This is a huge issue, as we said. Um, and yeah, as I mentioned, they talked of what would be considered the nuclear option of the NFL would be adding a week 18 for teams who have to miss games uh, to basically replay those games. And basically expanding the playoffs, which has already happened. There's 17 that are slated to make the playoffs this year. And the first seed in each conference will be getting a bye, while every other team will have to play a game. It's going to be interesting to see if they end up expanding the playoffs due to the coronavirus. But we're just going to have to wait and see what happens with the rest of the season. Obviously, a few weeks left. Um, it's really anyone's ball just because of all this happening right now. So obviously the biggest outbreak that I want to mention right now was the Tennessee Titans. That happened almost two months ago. Uh, there was 23 members of the organization, players and staff included, that tested positive and were placed on the COVID list. And they had a game versus Pittsburgh, which sadly, again, it, it happened. The game was postponed. Um, three weeks ago, there was another spike in the league where 15 teams had positive test results. Um, and really, the NFL is starting to crack down. I believe it was last Saturday, the NFL mandated that players would have to wear masks during a practice session, all practice sessions in general, and that they, they really are starting to crack down on this. They cracked down a little earlier on. They find the Titans organization $350,000, which is a lot of money, and they fined the Raiders $500,000 and took away a six-round draft pick, which is wild to think about when the Patriots lost a million dollars and a draft pick, a first-round draft pick, I believe, uh, due to Deflategate in 2014, and the Raiders head coach John Gruden was fined $150,000 just for removing his mask. I mean, that's crazy to say, but it's good to see if the NFL is taking this a little more serious than really a lot of states are. I believe there's like 23 states right now that don't have mask mandates, which is just 
just insane to think in such a very easily spread virus, which is pretty damaging to a lot of people. And I've had friends who have tested positive for this virus, and it affects a lot of overall body function, and it, it's something that can be very damaging to people. I understand these are NFL players who are all young and probably some of the top athletes in the world, and they can handle it, but, um, yeah, it, it's hard to believe that there are states that don't even follow it this strictly. So that's a whole other topic and something I don't want to get into too much, but it, it's almost impossible for the league to stop the spread unless they were to establish a bubble like the NBA did, um, and this is an experience that uh, other leagues like the MLB had to go through where Teams are traveling nationwide weekly and sometimes even twice a week for teams that play Sunday and then they're on the road for a Thursday night game and all that. It's just a mess. It's something that's pretty hard to control. Like that when you're traveling constantly and just you're moving around large groups of people to areas where, as I mentioned, there's not as many restrictions and and players just come in contact with the virus no matter where you're going to go. This is a developing situation that's going to continue in the next couple weeks as the season heads for a wrap-up. It's going to have a pretty huge impact on what happens because things are starting to spike up again, and I I imagine until there's a vaccine, the spikes are going to be a lot, lot bigger. And it's not something that's going to go away immediately regarding vaccines unless they give all the vaccines to league players and league officials and all that first. But we're going to have to wait and see what happens with this. As I said, it's a developing situation and it's something crazy that's happening and it's something that's inescapable right now. So we're just going to give you a quick preview of the next episode. As I said, I'm going to try to get two interviews scheduled, with the first person being the one that missed this week. And hopefully next week we're going to have my co-host from my last podcast, uh, Kicker Talk, with Chris Martin, who wrote for Believe in Boston Sports, and who's a large fan of the Patriots. And we're going to get into all of his background later on next week, and that's all I'm going to say on the interviews for right now. It's going to be an interesting episode, so I hope you can tune in for that. Obviously, we're going to give you a quick preview of the L.A. Chargers game coming up, which is a huge game to watch next week. And we'll go over what happens with this Arizona Cardinals game. Uh, And we're going to go over a ton more. So thank you guys for listening. Please go ahead, like, and share this podcast. And thank you for supporting me. Go Patriots.